Welcome to the Dropping the Last 5 Pounds podcast. My name is Magali, I'm your coach, and I'm going to give you all the tips and tricks on how to lose weight, what diets really work, and what it actually takes to get results. Because you, my friend, are not here to waste any more time. I'm going to give you the facts, I'm going to debunk the BS, and I'm going to motivate you and kick your ass into action. Ready to live your healthiest and happiest life? Let's do this. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Dropping the Last 5 Pounds podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoy the show. So in today's episode, I want to go over a topic that I feel like everyone in the gym, everyone trying to pursue muscle growth, changing their physique, even just weight loss in general, um, something that they need to be aware of and something that they need to know of when it comes to their workouts. And even though most people have a general sense of what this means, the specifics and how to actually confirm we're in the right direction is a little bit more complicated and lesser known. And the topic that I'm discussing is progressive overload. And I'll get into what it means. I'll get into different examples on how to do it, how to know you're actually progressing, all of that stuff. But that's what the term is called. And a basic, simple definition of what that means is doing more work over time. And This is going to look very differently depending on what exercise we're talking about, what method we're talking about, all of those things. But essentially, to give you a very quick example, if you're doing a three sets of 10 squat at 100 pounds and next month you're able to do three sets of 10 at 105, that is considered progressive overload. Increasing weight is one way of progressively overloading. So I'll get into that one first because I just talked about it. Um, But I do want to clear a common misconception that increasing the weight on the bar is the only way to really truly progress in your workouts and that is not true that is one of many ways to do it but it's not always the right one to do and it's not always the one that's even possible to do because I don't know about you guys but I've been in that position many times where I've tried to add weight to the bar and it just would not go up I couldn't do it and I had to figure something else out because that weight wasn't going up and that's where these other examples of progressive overload will come in But yeah, essentially, it's doing more over time, progressing with your workouts over time. And here are a few examples on what that actually looks like. So I'll talk about weight first. One of the ways and the most obvious ways to increase progressive overload is to add more weight to the bar. Like I said, if you're doing three sets of 10 at 100 pounds one month, the next month you're doing three sets of 10 at 105, 110, that is considered progressive overload. And basically, the more weight you're doing, the more the muscles have to work, the more gravity is fighting against you. And so therefore, the more the muscle grows. And this is usually the one that people manipulate the most at the beginning because in your first year of training, I'm very jealous of you guys still to this day, and I always will be, but the first year of training is what I consider the golden year of training because you can basically do anything and you'll get results. There is very little that the human body won't respond to at at the beginning year. So the beautiful thing about it is you can continue to add weight on the bar with ease or at least doably and you won't have issues. Like you'll be able to jump 10, 15, 20 pounds within a month. Whereas now for me, four or five years in, if I increase by five pounds, it's a huge fucking deal and it takes me months. But at the beginning, it's one of the very easily manipulated variables to make sure that you're doing more over time. And therefore, the more that you do that, the more the muscles have to work, the more they grow and you progressively overload. So if you're in that first year right now and you're feeling overwhelmed and it's like, oh, I have to get all this work done, you have the newbie gains and the first year advantage on your side. 
and I wish I knew how incredible that year was when I was in it because I would have taken way better advantage of it. I didn't understand it until way later, but yeah, you have a lot going for you. You're going to be able to increase the weight really, really quickly and expect really good results pretty fast. So yeah, progressive overload. One way is to increase the weight on the bar over time. The second way that we can progressively overload is to manipulate sets and reps. So for instance, back to our squat example, if we're doing three sets of 10 at 100, and then the following month you're like, I cannot add five more pounds, but I can do two more reps per set. So I'm doing three sets of 12 at 100 pounds. Absolute volume has increased because even though you're doing the same sets and the same weight, you're doing more reps per set. So you're doing more work over time. What I really like implementing this specific variable is when, for example, we can't add more weight to the bar because you're going already really heavy or your body's not ready or it's an upper body movement which requires a ton of improvement before it goes up in weight, then we can manipulate sets and reps. So we can do three sets of 12 versus three sets of 10. We can do three sets of 15. We can do four sets of 12. There's many different ways to do it and there isn't one way exactly on how everyone should do it. But manipulating the sets and reps to overall be more than what you did before, that's going to count as progressive overload and that is still going to stimulate the muscle more than staying at the same weight sets and reps. So typically change this whenever you feel like you can't increase the weight or maybe you just want something different. Sets and reps is a good way to increase progressive overload. The third way that we can implement progressive overload is to increase frequency. So a very popular beginner workout is people like to do body parts, right? Chest, back, biceps, triceps, like one part per day or like one or two parts per day. And essentially, you only really get to hit the muscle once. So if you wanted to increase the amount that we're hitting the muscle and progressive overload, you can switch around your workout and therefore get multiple muscles throughout the week. So for instance, instead of doing chest one day, back one day, arms one day, legs one day, you do upper body and combine all of the chest, arms, shoulders, back workouts, and then do a separate lower body day. And then you do that twice a week. So you're hitting upper body twice, you're hitting all of the muscles twice, and then you're hitting your legs twice. So you're increasing the amount of times you're hitting the muscle. So therefore, the muscles are doing more work. You can even keep the volume and the intensity sets reps and weight very similar and just choose slightly different exercises but even then the muscle is getting double the stimulus versus one by doing the bodybuilding split is what we call it when you do one body part per day so that's something else to consider you don't have to increase the weight a ton you don't have to change your sets and reps a ton it's just a slight variation in the workouts and you can hit the muscle twice therefore making it work more therefore getting more progress so that's that one, increasing the frequency or the amount of times you do that workout or those muscles in a given week. The next one that we want to talk about is tempo. So playing with tempo is another really good way to increase progressive overload and the difficulty of the exercises you're doing. So basically tempo describes the speed at which you are moving. So you can do a tempo of one where you go up and down in a second. So up one second, down one second, back up one second like that. Or you can manipulate it and either choose going up really slow or going down really slow and maybe 
elongating either of those movements by a couple of seconds. So any time that we increase a duration in which the muscle is moving by slowing it down and basically taking longer, you're putting the muscle under more tension. It has to hold the weight under longer time. So that is a really good way to increase progressive overload by not just increasing the weight. You can literally just switch the amount of tempo, the speed that you're going at, slow it down a little bit, and I can for sure tell you that your muscles are going to be screaming, and you will see a, a lot of progress if you do that consistently. So again, you could do a squat, for example. You're dropping down to the squat from the top to the bottom. You usually do it like down and then up in a very fast but controlled manner. You can instead do a three-second lowering phase and coming up at one second. So you can do down at the top. You go down one, two, three, up, fast, explode, one, three, two, one, back up, explode. And that lowering phase by elongating the time that we have to do it, again, the muscles are working harder, doing more work. You can also make the upward portion harder. It depends on what your goals are. It depends on what part of the movement you want to manipulate, which one you really care about, which one you want to do. I mean, there's a million different things that go into answering that question, but you can manipulate either part of the movement, make it longer, take your time and go slower, and you will definitely increase the work that the muscles have to do. So therefore, progressively overloading and stimulating the muscle more over time. So that's tempo. The next one that I want to talk about is rest-pause methods. So essentially, a rest-pause method is what it sounds like. You're resting and pausing in a movement. So let's take again the squat for an example. I'm using the squat because it's the easiest to visualize, but literally any exercise that you can think of, you can apply these methods to. But with the squat, like I said, you're lowering down, you stop at the bottom, and then you come back up explosively. So with the squat, for instance, you can either combine tempo and rest pause if you wanted to, but let's just do the rest pause right now. We're going to drop at a one-second rate, and at the bottom, before you come up, you're going to hold the squat position for three seconds, and then you're going to come up fast. So you're going to drop fast, pause at the bottom, three, two, one, and then back up. And if you wanted to combine tempo and rest pause, you would decrease by three seconds. Three, two, one, pause, one, two, three, back up fast. Again, there's a million and one ways to do this, but that's another way to increase the work that the muscle has to do because we're holding the position with weight on us under tension. The muscles are going to be stressing. They're going to be working. They're going to have to be driving and overloading themselves to hold you up and not collapse because that's the whole point. You want to maintain really good form, proper everything, proper balance, proper posture throughout the entire movement, especially when you're resting and pausing so that the muscles can work the most effectively. But yeah. You can pause on bench presses, you can pause on lunges, you can pause on hip thrusts, you can pause on leg presses, leg extensions. I mean, the list is endless and there are so many different possibilities. And that's the beautiful thing about it is that you can choose from a variety of different things. And you don't have to do this with every single exercise. You can choose it for the exercises that are typically lighter because kind of pausing with a heavy squat might be difficult, but you can pause on a lunge or on a leg press or something like that. But again, everything is going to depend on your goals and what you want to get out of it. The rest pause method, you can do up to 5 seconds, 10 seconds if you want, or just 2 seconds, again, whatever it is that you want to do. But yeah, the rest pause method is another really great way to increase progressive overload because again, the pause at the bottom or at the top, wherever you're pausing, is going to be really hard. Now you're holding the weight and you're holding it. Have you ever done a wall sit with weight on your legs? That's just horrible. 
But anyway, moving on, the next one that I want to talk about is perfecting your form. So this one is very, very, very valuable, and I feel like a lot of people downplay it. So when you first start lifting, obviously you're learning something new. Your form isn't going to be all that great. It's not going to be perfect. You're going to need, there's going to be room for improvement and all of that. But anytime you get even a slight form increase, improvement, like your back is staying more straight, you're not wobbling your knees as much, you're more focused and, and concentrated, you're able to lift the weight with more ease, you're able to keep your legs where they need to stay. I mean, all of these different things are so important and so vital for long-term results. And that is considered progressive overload because if you're perfecting your technique, if you're doing the workout better, you're targeting the muscles in a more specific and effective way. Therefore, they're going to be doing the right work and giving you the results that you want. So for instance, back to the squat, if we're squatting and we're hunching over, we're bending too far forward, we're arching on our back, our knees are wobbly, that's not going to allow the legs and the glutes to really take control of the movement and work at its most effective way instead when you have control of your knees when your back is straight when your legs aren't wobbly when you keep your chest up all of those things are going to help those muscles work properly and therefore get targeted effectively so yeah perfecting your form increasing in that and and making that better is always going to be a good thing it is always going to be considered improvement and sometimes you can't add weight you can't go heavier you can't do more sets and reps you don't want to do any rest pause methods because you want to perfect your form and that is something that is considered an improvement and is a good thing now something to keep in mind with form and perfecting technique and all of those things is that form is going to look different on everybody there's a lot of people out there who say this is the right way and this is the wrong way and there's no other way about it that's how you do it if you're not doing it my way or the way that I'm telling you it's wrong and the fact of the matter is very few things fall into categories like that where it's like black and white yes and no uh, working out and because everyone's so different everybody's anatomy is different everybody's level is different your form may look very different from someone else's but that doesn't make yours better or worse it's just different and yes you may be doing improper technique for you but just know that there's many different ways to do an exercise there's many different ways to work out many different ways to use different things and your form isn't going to necessarily look like someone else's exactly identically so just keep that in mind and that doesn't mean you're doing wrong form it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong it doesn't make them right none of that it just is different and the only way that we're going to know if one is good or not is depending on you and what your goals are and where you have been in the past and comparing it to that not to anybody else just wanted to quickly say that about form but yes improving form improving technique doing an exercise in better condition is considered progressive overload so the last one that i want to talk about today and the one that's probably the most i would say quote-unquote advanced is using tools such as bands chains blocks all of these different things if you've never heard of blocks or anything of that sort it's basically where you elevate the bar or you place a weight at a different position um there's different ways to use blocks deficits raised exercises i mean i won't get into the specifics because it's very hard to tell you what an exercise is without showing you, and I can't obviously do that through audio, but um, yeah, there's different tools. The ones that I wanna focus more on are bands and chains because I think those are a little more obvious. And basically what bands and chains do is that they do something called they alter the resistance curve of an exercise. So if you just do a squat with normal weight, you just go up and down, it typically gets harder as you go down and coming back up and as you lock out, lock out, it gets a little bit easier. It's hardest at the bottom, right? They're just by nature, we're weakest at the bottom in a squat. 
you can add weights and chains to increase the weight at certain parts of the movement. So you can choose to make the exercise harder at the top. You can choose to make the exercise even harder at the bottom. You can make the bottom easier. You can make the top easier. There's many different ways to manipulate that and you really can only do that by doing chains and bands because they change the resistance as you move. A 20 pound dumbbell is a 20 pound dumbbell no matter what how you're using it. A band, a resistance band, the more you stretch it, the more it weighs. The less you stretch it, the lighter it is. With chains, the more chain that's resting on the ground, the lighter the chain. The higher you bring the chain, so more of it is off the ground, that's more weight that the bar is holding and therefore the more it weighs. So these different tools are a little bit more advanced and I typically don't recommend them to beginners just because they require very refined technique, very refined form, really knowing how to move, really knowing how to control the workouts because if you don't know the basic way to do it with the weight and you're struggling with form there, then you really shouldn't be touching bands and chains yet. Just because you can get hurt, it's gonna be too difficult and you're not really gonna get the benefits out of it and you're basically just wasting your time at best and like I said, at worst, getting injured. But yes, bands and chains, blocks, there's a couple other methods, but these are all tools to basically change the way the exercise is and therefore make it harder or easier at certain points depending on what area you wanna work on, what area you wanna, you wanna give a little bit more attention to or a little bit less attention to that you just wouldn't be able to do that with a standard weight a dumbbell or a barbell. You would have to incorporate these tools. But essentially doing more over time with these chains. So for instance, one week you did with half of the chain on the ground, half of it on, in the air. And let's say the following month you were able to do 75% of the chain off the ground and just 25% on the ground. So now that's 25% more weight on the bar, but you didn't increase the weights, the actual plates that you put on the bar you're just changing the weight and the resistance of the tool itself so also with the band if you wanted to do banded hip thrust where you put bands around the bar and you push against those resistance bands you didn't have to add more weight you didn't have to change your set to reps just by adding those bands you're increasing the tension of the band as you go up therefore you're making the exercise heavier and harder and this is a great way to train areas that are weaker that are harder to do you can lighten the load, put some bands on, and really train those areas that you're maybe a little bit weaker on or need to improve on um, without necessarily adding a ton more volume and weight and all of those things. So yeah, tools like chains and bands are, can be very helpful, can be very fun to use. I definitely wouldn't recommend them for a beginner. Learn your basics first, try all of the other methods first, and once you're at a place where you feel confident in your form, you feel really good, you're advanced or intermediate at least, you can try to incorporate those more advanced techniques and I'm sure you will love them just as much as I do. But yeah, using different bands and chains and tools like that does fall under progressively overloading. So yeah, just wanted to give you guys some insight onto the basics of progressive overload, what it looks like, how to incorporate it, and... How do we basically know that we are actually progressively overloading over time? One of the main things that I tell clients and everybody who ever asked me this question is to write everything down. I know it's tedious. I know it's annoying. I know you forget sometimes, but do your best to write every single thing you do, every single machine, the weight that you did, the sets, the reps, the rest time. Did you use any tools? Did you do any other techniques? You're going to forget. You're not going to remember everything you do. And in order to continuously push yourself, you need to look back on, okay, last month I was doing this, this, this. Now this month I want to try to beat this. And you don't know how to beat it if you don't have a previous record. You know what I'm saying? So 
write everything down and then just every month every few weeks try to increase something whether it's the weight that you're doing the sets and reps add a pause add a band whatever you feel is necessary for you again that that's the beauty of this thing there's no right choice you can literally choose whatever you want and i think that's really cool but yeah definitely make sure you're choosing techniques and methods of progressive overload that you are capable of doing that it's not going to compromise your form that it's not going to hurt you that you can actually accomplish um, keep track of everything and over time as the more progressive overload you incorporate into your training the better results you're going to be getting with your glute building building your legs building your arms your shoulders literally this applies to every single muscle group every single exercise everything you do even running like progressive overload is different with running because you're not doing weights but progressive overload could be running faster or getting winded less you know things like that so but specifically, I wanted to cover what progressive overload meant in weight training, in the gym, just to make sure that you're getting the most out of your progress, the most out of your time, the most out of your workouts, and just feel more confident in what you're doing and that you're moving in the right direction. So I hope that this episode was helpful. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope that it gave you some insight into what you need to be paying attention to and what matters and how to progressive overload your workout so that you can maximize the benefits and all of those things. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please let me know what you think by not forgetting to rate and review the podcast on the iTunes app. I would really, really appreciate it. Anything that you have to say is helpful to me, helps get this message across. Let me know what you're loving, all of those things. Come follow me on all my socials. They will be listed down below. And for those of you who are interested in finding out more about my coaching, I do have a link down below as well. You can check that out and uh, let me know if you have any questions on that. So with that being said, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I will catch you in the next one. Take care, everybody.